Okay. Welcome, Derek and Katana, to the Being Heard podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm very excited to have you. I've been following you on your podcast that you've released quite recently. And it's been a real eye-opener for me to, to listen to the, I would say, the wisdom and the truth um, mm. in in different ways, in different levels, based off also my relationship with you, Katana, which has changed based off your journey as well. So you and I originally met online uh, when your name was Alison, and you've been on an amazing, huge journey, in my opinion, over the last however many months and you've been through a name change and a whole life change and that's partly what I would love to bring into this episode is what it takes to go through a change like that Mm. and now your name is Katana. I consider you both to be truth seekers amongst the wild narratives of today's day and age and by that I mean we live in a crazy world in a crazy time and it's important to ask questions that help to break down what's in front of us. And I feel like you both do that in this really raw way that I don't hear very often. And your both of your voices together, there's just such an authenticity that comes through. And that's also why I'm excited to have you here, because that, for me, aligns with horses and their energy and their authenticity. Yeah, the first question I actually want to ask Katana is if you can bring forward some astrological insight for today's episode and the time that we're doing this and the date, please. Yes, I'd be happy to. So it is August 13th, 2023, where I am in the Midwest. It's 12.09 now p.m. And it's 6, 6.09 p.m. your time, Delara. Yes. Um, So there's a couple interesting things today. One is something called the Venus Kazemi. And Kazemi is when a planet gets so close to the sun that it, it gets kind of swallowed up within the sun's orb and the sun's rays. So it's not visible to us at that time. So Venus has gotten so close to the sun that we actually can't see it. And today is when it's exactly conjunct the sun, Venus and the sun. And Venus is also retrograde at the moment, which only happens every year and a half. Um, So it's just kind of a special moment with Venus and the sun conjoined in Leo. And then the Venus retrograde happening at the same time is a really actually an excellent time for a podcast called Being Heard because it's, I mean, Leo has a lot to do with being heard actually is expressing yourself, authentic expression, but also being received and being, being heard. Leo is not satisfied with just talking and having no audience. The audience can be one person, but it has to be some audience and there has to be this, this loop of sharing and receiving. So it's, it's nice. I feel like it's a nice energy for this conversation. And then Venus also has to do with creative self-expression and and those kinds of things. So yeah, I think that's one thing to pull out. It's a cancer moon. So maybe we'll do some crying on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Cancer tends to bring out a lot of crying for me, but it, you know, more of a like a watery, emotional, in touch with the, those kinds of energies. What else would you say? You're very in tune with what's happening. Like family, staying home. Yeah. Uh, being in touch with, with familial relationships, um, mm. being protective of those. Mm. Uh, being vulnerable, the crab is vulnerable, although it has a shell. That's why it's got a shell because mm-hmm. it's so vulnerable. So uh, whenever there's a cancer moon, it's like, what are you, what are you trying to hide? What are you trying to protect? And how, how hard is it to crack mm. the shell? How hard is it to crack the shell? And why? What are you afraid of underneath? What What are you scared of underneath? Um, you might find that it's not that scary, actually, or maybe it's the most scariest thing that ever happened. So the cancer moon uh, could be ex- excellent for exposing that or just digging deep, deep, a deeper hole of of your own bullshit. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I love that. The question comes to my mind of why have a shell as well? Like, is it, yes, the vulnerability and yes, the protection of that, vulnerability but yeah where does that the need to have that even originate from 
That was what came to my mind of like, if we lived in a world where vulnerability was like safe to be expressed on a regular basis and our nervous systems didn't need to go into this crazy overload, then would we have a metaphorical shell or not? Or would we just still need it? You know? Well, another interesting thing about the crab shell is that it, they shed the shell. Like it goes through like a, what's the word for that? Like a, yeah like like a snake would shed its skin a crab actually will shed its entire shell and then have a new one formed so it's a nice metaphor for uh, a death and rebirth a transformation process but then when it's in the middle of that process it has no shell or it has just like this newly forming shell and is extremely vulnerable so yeah i mean i guess the shell it's not it's about protection but it's it's about other things as well it's about probably being able to move around in the world, being able to withstand the environment. Um, Astrologically, it could be your rising sign mm-hmm. would be your shell. That's true. Like, yeah, uh, you know, true. I'm a Taurus rising, which uh, that would be like very grounded and earthy yeah. and uh, calm. Mm-hmm. Um, but my son is Aries sun and I have a Libra moon. Uh, so to the world, I might appear to be calm and relaxed and even killed, but I am Aries son, like ready for action, uh, even though I appear to be calm. Um, so like your, whatever your rising sign is, it, it can be your shell mm-hmm. that you're showing to the world when actually you're vulnerable as shit. You know, you might be, uh, Aries rising with cancer moon. Mm-hmm. You're crying all the time with a uh, wall carrying a sword everywhere you go. Possibly. Uh, Sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Thank you, Derek. That just gave me like so much more of an insight into, again, just linking astrology with this theme. I'm a Scorpio rising with Pisces moon mm-hmm. and a Libra sun. So, yeah, I, yeah, that resonates with me on some level in terms of using the Scorpio energy to maybe... And maybe I want to be seen as well from that perspective and as that. And at the same time, underneath, I really just want to like be in my kind of curled way in my Pisces, like in, you know, out there daydreaming in this kind of fantasy realm of like deep feeling. And that's really what's kind of bubbling underneath the whole time. And I get to let that come out sometimes, but it's not consistent, just like crab and it's in the showing of its full body when it, it during that phase, you know. I just have one more question about this, and then I want to introduce you both properly. But do you think that that where you said the crab sheds its shell, and so when it is shed, there is a phase where the crab's body is exposed? Is that when, say, the moon is in its sign, when the moon is in Cancer? Like, how would that look in terms of the planets, and what you know, if the moon is in Cancer or the sun is in Cancer, and like for us, how would we? be affected like when would we be in that stage astrologically so to speak i think to me it would be more of astrology that's symbolizing a period of transformation like a pluto transit or um you know something that's triggering that that would be pointing to the shedding of the shell because it's a cycle it's a cyclical thing i mean I guess the other the the analogy with the moon of just like a one month cycle of the moon would be the dark moon. I think the dark moon is right before the new moon. That's the end of the cycle, letting go of things. It tends to be the most emotionally difficult time. That's you know, there's all kinds of things coming up because you're getting ready to start a new cycle. So that dark moon phase, I think, would be the the most corresponding to the phase of not having a shell and then the new moon you'd start start again but there's so many cycles i mean astrology is basically giving us the symbolism of the constant cycles and opportunities happening throughout our life of here's an opportunity for awakening or transformation are you going to take it it's going to look kind of like these themes you could miss it okay there's going to be another one you know and it's just constantly going that way yeah the big ones are marked by Pluto, usually, or Uranus. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and what came to my mind when you said that was that it's okay if you do miss a cycle. And it's, you know, ideally Mm -hmm. we we get on it and we Mm -hmm. ride it and we take that opportunity, but, you know, it doesn't always happen that way. And that's okay. 
as well. Okay, so background-wise, I really want to give listeners kind of a scope of where you're both coming from. Um, so Katana, you astrology actually came into your life at a later date, but it's very, very present now in the way that you can move through the world and have relationships with people and connect with your horses as well. And in your relationship with Derek, I imagine it's kind of like this, you know, real tool and maybe third arm that you have in terms of connection with your environment and yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, I listened to, um, what's that episode? The opening door. Opening the door. Opening the door. Thank you. Um, where you both gave you know your backgrounds. And I found found that really interesting that you both have this really, really like philosophical side to you where you almost do just want to crack through whatever the truth that's presented to you is. And I think that again, like I said before, in today's day and age, if you don't do that, then there's something going on you know, because there's so much that's given to us that isn't true or that has an undertone to it that's just there for the system that we're in. And you've both, you know, you're just natural philosophers in wanting to study and read and find your way through to something that is maybe a bit more intangible, but makes more sense to you. And so you studied women's studies at college, and then you went on to work in nonprofits and to do human rights work. And you've been doing that consistently. And then horses came into your life at a later date. Is that correct? Or did horses come in earlier? Yeah. I mean, I started riding when I was a kid, but I got away from it for a while with college and other things. I got back to it when I was about 28 years old, right, right at my first Saturn return. And then Derek, you, okay. So as a child, you were kind of brought up in the Baptist church. Is that correct? Or you had influence? Yeah, I had influence. Uh, My family is atheist, okay, pretty much. But my friend that I met was a Baptist, and I started going to a Baptist church with him as a child. So I like became baptized and uh, saved through the Baptist faith and started going to the church for like three to five years as a child from like age seven to whatever 11 or 12 and uh yeah but not through my family it was through my friend who lived down the street okay and then later on this is amazing to me later on you then became a conspiracy theory researcher Mm -hmm. yeah and now your is your primary work you work as an electrician is that correct uh i was an electrician for about 15 years but i quit that job last year um, right now, I work on an organic farm, um, but I had been an electrician for about 15 years, but I was also in the Army for five years between that period as well. Yeah. Okay. And I think when I say this, I'm also questioning myself. I'm like, why is this important? And I think that ultimately where we come from, like what we do and our work at different stages in our life is and isn't important, but it does have a huge impact on the amount of energy that we put into different things. But both Mm -hmm. of you really just have this philosophical outtake. So my like impression with you two as a pair and a partnering is this ability to just crack through the bullshit. And Mm -hmm. that is something I really feel that being around horses provides that. Like with a horse, you can't bullshit and you cannot tell a lie and everything has to be honest and everything has to be truthful. And they will cut to the chase and let you know when when you're not in that space immediately because they can't hack it, you know, and they're not meant to. They're not designed that way. So I love the fact that you both are so in this energy and in this seeking kind of realm and horses are such truth holders. So it's kind of a really beautiful correlation to me. Um, another question I want to ask you before we go deeper into the theme of what does it take to go from where you have been to where you are now is what does it feel like for both of you uh, to be truly heard? Like, what does that feel like in your body? Hmm. It feels like uh, love without any uh, barriers or any defenses whatsoever. Like right, right now, I feel like I can say anything I want because I know that I just can. I feel, I feel open 
and I feel a connection. Um, so I think that if there's no barriers or no bullshit between the interaction, uh, you can feel heard. But when there starts to be um, some sort of barriers or blocks or fancy lingo or uh, authority or um, something like that, it changes the dynamic of, of what you're actually doing. And it, and you can instantly put up a barrier and you, you'll, you'll never say anything you want to say. And they'll, they'll never hear anything you're saying anyway, because you're, it's all bullshit. So I think being heard is actually only possible if you can be vulnerable mm -hmm. and the other person and the other other person is vulnerable as well because if not then it, then it's just um talking to a brick wall mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what about you i'm not sure if there's anything i would add to that That's, that was beautiful mm. derek you kind of pointed to something really important there which is the vulnerability of to feel truly heard that requires vulnerability and i really want to find out from both of you what your perspectives are and what does it take to get from one place in your life where let's say you know on your journey katana you were in a situation that you knew you needed to get out of or that you needed to change and you took a huge leap in doing that and in kind of moving from one state to another to where you are now and living how you are now and you know having essentially it's not a completely different life but your life has changed dramatically i want to know what it takes really what it takes to be able to do that and that can be multiple things or one thing it's just whatever comes to mind for you and the same for you derek like what does it take throughout your life and it might change at different points in your life as well like when you were 17 it might have taken something completely different to be able to go through those big leaps so is there like one one essence or one theme that you know that it takes like you could say it takes unconditional love and that's like one theme or there could be multiple things that you know for you as individuals it's like no it really takes this for me to be able to make these leaps in life that are so important for us to wake up to be present to connect all these different things these themes that are important for us right now you want to go first you go first i think the main thing you need is courage you get you get an opportunity probably every single day to be faced with with the courage of your own egotistical lies that you tell yourself and pretty much every day at least for me my own just me speaking about myself i took every opportunity in my life up until i was 35 years old to not do what i knew i needed to do every single day i i would get some sort of opportunity to tell the truth to myself, to tell the truth to my family, to tell the truth to society, to tell the truth to every relationship I was in. But I chose not to do that. And when I didn't choose to do that, I got met with lots of misery, grief, pain, depression, despair. But the second I faced uh, my own ego with the truth things just started to change suddenly but it takes courage to do that because without courage it's too difficult it's just difficult and i think um courage and and death are the biggest helpful things to to get you out of your own bullshit. but without courage you're fucked i think mm -hmm. And thank you. And what I'm, what's coming to my mind is like it, within that, well, I think once that process starts, it can be really courageous to live as well. I think that's part of living. Like it can be courageous to go through that death cycle. And then for me personally, also there's this, if I go through this death, I don't know what my life's going to be like on the other side. So the courage to live beyond that point as well is, you know, it's, it's both. It's, I guess it's, courage on all fronts you know not just to to face off with your ego but to also live in the unknown based off the process that you're about to go through yeah thank you yeah i let i want him to go first because i knew that we were thinking the exact same thing <laughs> i was like courage and then i was like oh he'll say it 
Um, yeah, I, I agree with the courage, but with the death thing too, it's like we're, we also are talking about literal death, not just the metaphorical death, like proximity to death and awareness of death will give you, I was going to say, we'll do it, but it won't actually. We'll give you the opportunity. It'll give you the opportunity. Yeah. So like we were talking yesterday about this, even whether it's your own experience of like a threat of your life or some sort of like confrontation with your own mortality, someone close to you dies, uh, a horse or an animal, you know, the proximity to death because, and that's an eternal spiritual teaching. Every spiritual tradition has talked about awareness of death as one of the major prods of how you actually get the courage because how do you get the courage you know you have to you have to be faced with the choice between two things that are one choice is death the other choice is i got to do something i really don't want to do but the other choice is death which could be literal or metaphorical you know it could be soul death but it could also be literal death i will die if i keep doing this so that is a motivator um and and a wake-up call because it the, the fact of the matter is we're all going to die and we don't know when and that is the, the, the truth for everyone on the planet and it, you know it's bedrock to our existence so that needs to be in it you know for for how you're going to to change yeah i love that thank you it makes me think about yeah i know somebody who went through this incredible death cycle physically in her life where, you know, her husband and somebody very close to her passed away on the same night. And it literally catapulted her into, as far as I see it anyway, one of the biggest awakenings, you know, and transformations that she could have gone through because of the level of grief and what that does. And by being able to even, even feel that level of emotion I think must just wake up your cells on some inherent level that if you don't go through that, you can't understand it, you know, maybe at a physiological level, which is, you know, hits all other levels. Because I was going to ask you, what does it take to have courage? You know, what does it take to get to a point where you can be courageous? And like you said, it is having that choice point. If you, if you need to make a choice, then the courage comes in as like a booster for one avenue or the other, you know. Okay, so another thing I want to touch on is in your podcast, I noticed that Derek a few times definitely mentions this, is stripping stripping ourselves back to basics in terms of our awakening and finding our truth and coming away from technology and our devices and social media and stripping back to just, you know, going and being with the tree and listening to the wind and being with the animals and being with yourself in a way that's, you know, you could use the term much more basic than the world that we've developed ourselves into. And I would really like to tie that into horses and ask you both about how you experience. So you have two horses between you. One is a mare and one is a gelding. Uh, the mare's name is Vajra and the gelding is Tenzin. And Tenzin, actually, do you want to share this? Because I was going to go on a big riff about them, but it's much more appropriate if you do this. So. Yeah, sure. Um, so with Tenzin, Tenzin came into my life five years ago, a little over five years ago. And he was my first horse. That's, you know, quote unquote, mine, um, that I owned, which is that language that I really like to use, but, um, it's something it's, there's a difference when the horse is your responsibility or not. So I was leasing horses for a long time, taking lessons, doing all of that for about 12 years. And then, um, finally, actually that took a lot of courage even that move of what was like you know I have to have my own horse and I didn't really have any support for it at the time but I went ahead and did it anyways um Tenzin's off the track he was five when I met him and uh his his deal basically is that he is just completely himself He's the most authentic person I had ever met before Derek. I mean, he just doesn't, he doesn't care what anyone else thinks about him. And he's just very free to be himself. He's come around more that way in the time that I've known him. And I spent a lot of effort trying to encourage him to come out, be himself, 
express himself and uh, to be empowered. And he really, he really went through a transformation as well. And in, in the five years leading up to him meeting Derek, he went through quite a change where he was kind of a low on the totem pole in the herd and would get picked on and just didn't seem to know what to do to where now he's just got this presence that all the other horses respond to. And he's very strong and very uh, powerful. Um, but he, Tenzin is the horse that challenged me to start questioning how I was doing things with horses. Similar story to a lot of people where you finally encounter a horse that is just, it's not going to work. The whole uh, way, traditional way of working with horses won't work on them. They're, they're not buying it. They're not participating in it. He had some injuries and things that came up that exposed me to going down different routes of healing options and alternative healing. I've done basically everything I could find with Tenzin, craniosacral, massage, acupuncture, herbs, essences, uh, uh, PEMF, the electromagnetic pulsing, um, what's it called? Like uh, when the tuning fork, you know, with the vibrations. I mean, I've done everything, homeopathic supplements, like all kinds of different things with him. And it's been helpful. You know, it helped me figure out a lot of things and learn a lot of things. But ultimately, ultimately what it all came back to is that it wasn't really about the physical. It was about what was going on underneath, you know. Um, But so he also just, he started out being interested and willing to do some riding with me. I was coming out of an eventing background and I wanted a horse I could event with. I, I didn't do competing, but I just liked to jump and ride. And so I started training him that way. And then after a, a few years, he just really started expressing unhappiness with it. He developed a like a head shaking thing. He actually had it a little bit when I got him. When I first met him, he had it, but it got worse. And then by the time Derek came into my life, it was like just becoming clear that he just didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do all these silly exercises with riding. I tried all the different ways of approaching it. I ride bitless. I've I've done that for years. Um, My horses are barefoot. I'm all super careful about tack and every other thing. Um, I use positive reinforcement training. I've done, you know, I did everything like trying to make him comfortable and and address any problems that could be in the way for him wanting to ride. And then ultimately he just didn't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and he also at the same time was showing me how good he is at transformation with humans and and helping. You know, he's a healer. He's definitely a guy. Tenzin is the name means holder of the Dharma. Um, so he's a teacher. That's his job. So then when I met Derek and and brought him to meet Tenzin, actually, it was the uh, the first time we met in person. Mm-hmm. We met through an astrological console. Actually, he found me through a farm that we both belong to locally and then scheduled an astrology session with me. We connected that way, but we were in, like instant friends. And then I invited him to come out and meet Tenzin because I just had this intuition that like this would be good. I thought he would like it. I thought Tenzin would like him. So that was our first in-person meeting was with Tenzin. And then why don't you tell from there? Like what happened with your first meeting with Tenzin? I had no I have no horse experience before meeting Tenzin. I had seen some horses a couple of times in my life. I'd never ridden a horse. I have no formal anything to do with horses uh, my all I know about horses is what I've learned since I met Tenzin and being around the horses that we've met along the, along the path since then but when I first met Tenzin it was like meeting an old friend it was like meeting a war comrade like it was like I was meeting one of my army buddies that I went to Iraq with that's what it felt like when I went out there to to see him for the first time, I was like, oh, shit, we're old friends. And w- it was instantaneous connection where it was like uh, we just stood there together, 
just almost in like an awe type of feeling. Yeah. And it, it was pretty intense. I mean, it was one of the most intense experiences I've had with a sentient being, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and he definitely showed me the path of what, what it is to be uh, a sentient being, I think. <laughs> because he's huge he's a huge horse uh just as far as like the 3d plane of existence goes he's a gigantic horse so his energy is intense like you can feel his energy from the second you stand out go out from the barn and look towards his pasture you can feel tenzin from there oftentimes you look and tenzin will be looking and 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 call when we're like 200 feet away or more you know so that's kind of like his power come is is different than any other horse i've met so far in life and uh it was quite clear from the get-go that he wasn't super interested in riding around <laughs> um he seemed to be pretty interested in just being himself and helping to do emotional releases like when we first met, he, I don't know how many releases you did for me, but he helped, you know, that's just what he does. He doesn't even try, like, that's just what he does. The second anyone goes around him, he starts releasing their issues that they've got. It's just what his thing, like he's natural at it. I, I would say, um, I've never met someone who said that they were a shaman, but I would say he is one mm. Uh, mm. for sure, just by the feeling of the energy when you go around him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, ever since we've met, it's been uh, progressively a um, path towards more and more uh, spiritual guidance. And, and he's uh, totally changed. Mm. S since we've met, he's completely changed. He went from like constant head shaking. Every time we go get him from the pasture, he's like shaking his head pretty much like almost nonstop to where now he like doesn't do it at all. He's totally content to be um, bridled and walked out, walked around. Um, I mean, he's, it's a total transformation. It's definitely, um, that's what he wants to do. It's clear. It's obvious. Yeah. 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 And then he's, so come into this role as being a mentor now for Vajra, who's a four-year-old filly. So, you know, he, it's really cool. Like him and Derek have bonded completely. Then we've been doing all kinds of different walks and activities um, where Derek just hand walks Tenzin. And yeah, I either follow with hand walking Vajra. I've done a couple of rides with her and then she just follows them like, nothing she's not afraid of anything like she feels this but so do i this the two of them together it's intense like protective warrior energy this presence so we just follow and it's really nice it's a nice balance that we have now with the the four of us so there's two dyads you know they don't unfortunately they can't be in the same pasture at the boarding place that they're currently living but our goal is to have them living together together within the next year hopefully within the next six months we'll be all together yeah the word that kept coming to mind when you were talking Derek is unison that like as soon as you and Tenzin were in the same space that actual like fusing of like timelines and energy and all of that like it's like a mighty energy and to you know, I was going to want to also ask you both about the masculine and feminine and how, you know, you've got Vajra, who's a mayor, and you're working with Tenzin, who's a gelding, and, you know, what your perspectives are on that. But it's interesting. It will be interesting when they come together and they are in the same paddock and, you know, how that the energy of unity within the, the four of you as a constellation kind of shifts because you're also going to be in a new place geographically. And, it, you know, it's just, I'm really excited to see how that unfolds. Again, coming back to this question of like, what does it take? It reminds me of, you know, like, what does it take sometimes to listen to our horses? And that uh, is such a big question that can potentially just be answered or, you know, sat with for a lifetime. Um, but in this case, 
the fact that Derek, you came into Katana's life, that is in a way what it took for that relationship to shift to where it needed to shift to so that Tenzin could also come into that like full flowering of like, well, this is what I'm here for. I'm here for this work. I'm here for the emotional release. Because it sounds like he is doing so much kind of energetic, emotional work that his body must feel so different as well, you know? And, yeah, um, and I think it was like, it's multiple le levels on which Derek coming into my life changed Tenzin's life because I really felt like Tenzin, I could feel him saying that he had a job to do with me and he completed the job when I left my previous marriage, found Derek, you know, leading into all these other changes that that was a big one that I feel like then Tenzin was able to step down from this role that he had been in with me of protector and supporter and encourager. And speaking of courage, you know, how did I change my life? Tenzin was a big part of that. He was always there for me. He was strong. He was challenging me. He was pushing me to deal with what was coming up for me. But ultimately, there was this discordant energy. As long as I was in this relationship, I shouldn't be in anymore. You know, that it was the heart, the heart center where horses most resonate, I think. So he was always picking up this pain that I was carrying in this, like, so as actually Tenzin started to change as soon as we got together mm -hmm. fully that I actually had a couple rides, like my last few rides on Tenzin over the winter, there were a few that were incredible. Like I went one day, I remember I went from your house oh, right. to the barn and was like, I feel like I need to ride. I got on Tenzin's back and we did this most incredible canter I've ever experienced in my life where it was like perfect harmony. I started crying when I was riding because I struggled so long to how do you get totally in unison at the canter, how, you know, and it felt like because all this stuff had been released from my body and then I was like filled with love that Tenzin felt that and was like showing me fully like, oh, this is, here's an illustration of the energy I now feel. It's like perfect unison, you know, like there's harmony, there's love, there's, and we had, I don't know, two or three rides like that. And I was like, whoa, okay. So changing my relationship has changed Tenzin. Mm -hmm. But then that was it. That was all. Like he was like, I'm done. That's good. I just wanted to show you that. But now I'm done riding. <laughs> and so then when Derek came, I was like, why don't you come watch me ride? I want to show you what we've been doing. And then he came. Tenzin just, what he wouldn't have it. He wouldn't do anything. He like wouldn't even walk forward. And then. Yeah, we had to stop. We were yeah. going to record. We, we brought the tripod to try to get some footage of you jumping mm -hmm. and Tenzin didn't want to do it at all. Okay. Well, I guess it's over. And that was the last ride. It was. Yeah. And so then, then it created this other space for Vajra. And I've known for some time that I wanted a mare. There's a second horse that's going to come. I was just waiting for the right timing. And then once Tenzin, I mean, that was a parallel in some ways to the marriage as well, because I felt like, oh, I finally let go of this marriage. It wasn't working for a really long time. I'm not going to force it. I don't have to force it. It doesn't work. I don't have to try to make it work. And the relief of that, there was a similar feeling with Tenzin when I could finally just say, okay, you don't want to ride. You don't want to do, you know, I'll just, I'm going to let it go. You, you're Derek's horse now. I'll still take care of you and love you, but you guys are on your own path. And thank you for helping me and for the, the service to me in the past five years. But, and Tenzin, I think was very much like, yeah, go get, go get your other horse. She's ready. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's like, he was also able to shift tracks because yeah. like the recipient of his new path was present, AKA Derek. Yeah, right. So, mm -hmm. And it's, it also kind of brings to my mind, like, does it, I often ask this question to, my, to myself, like, does it start with us or does it start with them? Or is it just all happening at the same time? in terms of, you know, what you learn from leaving your marriage in terms of, okay, you can't control this. You just need to like, almost like drop the reins, you know, 
literally and metaphorically and just let it go. Yeah. And st- also then stepping into this heart, higher love frequency with Derek, you know, that was all within your personal life, but of course had a massive effect immediately on your relationship with Tenzin and thus calling in Vajra as well. So it's like, did it start with you? Did it start with Tenzin? Or is it all just like this continual flow and constellation of it's just all happening at the same time? Yeah, I wondered if Tenzin knew all along. Tenzin came into my life because him and Derek have this long past life history, karmic connection. There's this karma there that Tenzin on some level came into my life to call in Derek so that that he drew that in partially as well um, was kind of how it felt to me because he knew. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I got Derek and I used to message each other and you send me a voice note and I was with Tenzin and I played it on the phone out loud standing with Tenzin and Tenzin immediately popped his head up from <laughs> the grass, came over and licked the phone. Mm-hmm. And I was wow. like, whoa. All right. I think he knows. I think he knows this guy and started to. Yeah. I love that. I just, I want to go so much deeper into your relationship with Tenzin Derek as well, because what, but not necessarily now, but I would love to just at some point, because not having really any horse experience and then coming in completely fresh, as far as, you know, I've heard you say, in comparison to or next to Katana, who has had horse experience. And, you know, you and I, Katana, have spoken about that lens of, you know, coming from certain disciplines within the horse world and then shifting that when you go through the awakening of, oh, this is a sentient being, this is a spiritual being, I'm a spiritual being, we are one, et cetera, et cetera. Going through that awakening that, of course, many people are going through now in the industry. Um, Derek didn't really go through that. Derek was more like, hi, I'm here. And oh my God, like this is instant connection, instant like past or parallel life, however you, however you want to say it, recognition, like instant unity. And then it was almost like when you came to meet together, your path and your purpose together with Tenzin was just immediately ignited. So there wasn't, well, it sounds like that, it could be wrong, but um, there wasn't this, it was just a very different journey. And I find that really rare. I hardly ever speak to people who have, had no horse experience and then have such an instantaneous bond where also, you know, because you are open energetically as well, you're able to feel him and his power as also, you know, a reflection. So I love that. I think uh, as far as the connection between me and Tenzin and horses at this point, I think it was necessary. I mean, I had an opportunity to be around horses a lot of times in my life but I was not open. Like I, I was not open in any way. I was a very closed off person. Um, but after my wife died, I, everything in my life changed. I had a complete, um, I was faced with death in, uh, you know, I, I held my wife's hand as she took her last breath. When that happens, um, you're faced with this reality the reality of life and death like physically the breath is gone now she's dead when that happened it propelled me directly into the realization of of um all types of beings not just uh ones we can see so ever since then that happened in march of 2022 ever since then i've been almost totally open to all types of beings you know, all types of spirits and uh, through meditation um, and uh, all types of nature, birds, animals. Um, so the hor- the horses is, is like um, intense energy. Uh, it's way more than a human. And, and there's no, uh, I don't think horses have hardly any ego, uh, only the kind that's projected onto them by the people that they know. But as far as like themselves, they probably don't have hardly any, you know, maybe just personality or their own soul, but as far as like the ego. So it's just like instantaneous connection. It's how it should be, I think, between all sentient beings. But because we're human, uh, we don't have the, we don't have, we have the ego and it fucks us up. So when we're not able to just instantaneously communicate with all, with all things. Um, so I think that the horses can help you to show you that if you're open, 
but it takes it, it might take a, a deep um trauma it might take a deep trauma and grief to get you to that point because we go to the barn all the time to see the horses and what i can tell everywhere we go and all the, all the places we've been our horses are different than other people's horses um and the people we meet are not in touch with their horses the way that we are um they they treat their horses as if they're like a motorcycle like my my motorcycle doesn't go fast so i need to use the gas to go faster um my horse my my engine needs a tune-up need to change the spark plugs they treat the horses like that whereas we treat the horses like ourselves because they're sentient beings um so i think having no horse experience um like it doesn't really matter in my case but it's not going to work for everyone because i came into it with straight up open openness um that the horses can can instantly connect with like now now i can go i feel like i can go to any pasture of horses and just be with them i could go live with with a herd of horses anywhere on earth and i feel totally comfortable because for some reason i've been opened i've been opened up to to the nature of reality but it took death you know to to get me to that point and now that i'm at that point um that's just life <laughs> you know no going back now which is fine you know yeah and it's uh, you know i'm wondering also what what everybody on an individual level is going to go through to get to that point and whether they they will actually get to that point of openness whether they're meant to or not in this lifetime um i personally feel like it is like it is important for us all to open as much as we can around our horses and for them and for the industry in general so there can be a shift but again i keep having this this sentence in my head just keeps whirling around like well but what does it take to do that you know and in your case yes it was you know the passing of your wife and going through that experience that opened you up and who knows what it'll be for someone else but it will be something so coming back to that by the way thank you for sharing that it's so it's i love hearing you talk about horses because it it opens up my mind and i feel my ego kick back of like i think being around horses my whole life literally from day one and then spending so much time with my herd when i listen to you talk about horses i feel like there's this confidence that is kind of born out of this is this is what you know like this is what you know in your body this is what you know to be true mm -hmm. and it's not questioned by you it's just it is what it is mm -hmm. and there is part of me that wants to be like yeah but I've just been around horses my whole life. And like, you know, that kind of comes in and that and wants to almost question it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting to observe that and um, feel into like the allowance of everybody has their own journey and their own path with horses for a very specific fucking reason. And the horses, in my opinion, are so wise to the point of like, of course they know. Like my horses literally guided me here to this property. Like I had no idea that we were going to find it. They were the ones who said it's in this location and you have to forget everything else and just look here. And this is exactly where it was. So just things like that, you know, they're constantly weaving in areas that I personally, you know, I'm not, are not available to me, but they are to them. So it's amazing to hear you talk from this place of like real, again, no bullshit. Just like, this is, this is what I know to be true. And yeah, because it's what he is with the horses is he's not trying to make them be something that they aren't and he's not trying to be something that he isn't. So it's just two authentic beings being present together in the moment, which is the most natural thing in the world. It actually doesn't take a lifetime of training to do that. It just takes one second of awakening to the present moment to just be fully in the moment fully yourself. So I think it's almost harder when you have all this stuff you have to unlearn because he, and I also feel like Derek's way of perceiving the world is like a horse. I tell him yeah, that yeah. like his, he's, he picks up energy before words. 
if we meet people, I know that while they're talking, I'm listening to the words and he later won't really even know what they said that much, but he'll know a whole lot about their energy. And that's how horses function. I think they're the same way. Yeah, totally. I was thinking that when you were talking, Derek, about, um, I was like, oh, yeah, because he is, he is a horse. You know, it, that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, to put that language to the side, it would be more like, the way of functioning and the way of perceiving and experiencing the world it isn't like yeah. it is, you know, you could say they're the same thing, but actually the way you're experiencing the world in the present moment is so similar to that of the horses, but in this, in your human body. So it's like, of course, there's going to be a synergy. I just want to come back to this point of, and, and then we'll wrap up of like coming back to like stripping it back to, to nature and to, like you said, just being outside and breathing and being with the wind and being with the elements and awakening to the present moment. And we've been touching on all of that. And also the question that comes to my mind now is like, what is it like for both of you to do that now? Like to strip yourselves back to the basic bare bones of just existing with the simplest of things and each other and the horses what is your experience of that now, like on a day-to-day basis? And you have been touching on that, but I just want to ask again. Uh, struggle. Every day is some some type of struggle that we have to face almost every single day. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, we didn't know what to do. Um, we we're having issues. There was some sort of past life grief going on. I think in the morning, um, we had to do some crying for a couple hours, I believe. And then we didn't know what to do. So then we decided to go skateboarding. Um, we drove all the way over there, uh, went to the skate park. It was like in a dangerous ghetto, uh, decided to do it anyway. Um, I immediately fell and like fucked up my spine. Um, it hurt. Um, couldn't really, we had abandoned our plan of eating dinner. Uh, it hurt to talk, uh, felt like crying. Um, questioned whether or not skateboarding I should even skateboard ever again uh, maybe my life is fucking pointless um <laughs> that this life is stupid uh why why would I even skateboard at 36 years old I'm not a child um you know so I think what is it like to be awake or or, or fully alive in the present moment it's hard it's hard as hell it sucks it, it's much easier my life was much easier quotations when when i was denying myself every single day and drinking every night uh it's much easier to get high or huff gas or uh drink um 25 um hams every single night uh than it is to live in the present moment with the with the knowing that at any second i could be faced with with direct um experience of grief trauma pain um unprocessed emotions uh that i don't know what's going to happen the moon the moon god knows what the moon is doing <laughs> the moon is in mars recently <laughs> or, you know we had mars conjunct my mars recently yeah. and i wanted to um just throw brick through windows um smash the system to leave society um it's hard it's I think that's that's the thing that, that people think that, um, you know, it must be nice to be so awake and so free. It, it is nice that I'm that I am free and I'm I'm on this path, but it's also difficult. It, it, it's it's hard. It's like I have to I can't hide, can't hide away from the emotions. I can't hide from 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 being authentic. I can't I can't help but be myself. I can't lie. I, now I'm exposed to myself to the truth. So I, even if I feel like lying, I can't do it, which is difficult. People don't like to hear the truth. So I, all, all my relationships have been altered. I've cut ties with almost every person I've ever known. Uh, you know, it, it's difficult to be on this path of, uh, of being fully open and fully, fully awake and fully aware of my own ego and fully aware of of all things it's it's difficult and challenging but it's also extremely rewarding and fully alive in every moment like every day uh, that we're alive 
we're doing something that, you know, we'll never do that again. Holy shit. Like how many insane, awesome, beautiful, uh, life altering things can you do in a day? Uh, that's just our life at this point. Like uh, this week, um, filed uh, paperwork fully on for divorce and uh, quit my job again, <laughs> another job uh, because I had to, like, I can't, I can't live in a false sense where I feel like something, if anything starts to feel uh, not aligned with my true nature, I, I have to instance have to stop what I'm doing. Oftentimes, I mean, we'll be in the middle of kissing or, or on the verge of intimacy and we'll have to stop suddenly like, Oh man, I don't feel good. Uh, and Oh shit. Well, great. Now it's three hours of crying. <laughs> I thought we were just about to make yeah. love. No, sorry. Three hours of crying instead. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's not that grim also. No, yeah, I mean, yeah. it is it, it, like the thing that I, <laughs> I think that it's, there's a lot of struggle. I think what he's saying, it's all true. But also to just clarify, because I have come from a relationship that was all struggle. The thing that for us now, the experience is constant harmony with the two of us. So there's this ground of harmony and unconditional love that then makes all of this other stuff possible. Mm -hmm. So there's never, we've never had an argument. We we don't have any kind of dis, but the reason we can maintain that is because anytime there's even some slight feeling of separation, like what's going on? There's a slight feeling of separation. We stop and address it honestly, fully with love. Then it dissolves. It never develops into a resentment. Is it something we have to fight about? Something, some thing that builds up into something, a misunderstanding or hurt, you know, but it takes a lot of work to do that and it takes a lot of courage to do that but the the reward is incredible at the same time wow yeah and because you're coming from this basis of unconditional love that's already there do yeah. you feel like you can't it, it is like the springboard back to it or it's like the thing that actually like nurtures the three hours of crying yes and the, the, mm -hmm. so it's yeah. like constantly feeding that from yes. underneath mm -hmm. or from on top yes. whatever way you want to look at it so you can feel that within both of you and all around you. So mm -hmm. the the breakdown and the grief and the, as you said, like being so open. So that does make you more available for the crazy, intense, like scary, momentous things and emotions, mainly for me, it's emotions that come up. So at the same time, you have a, like a base yes. in each other. You have that safety to do that, which is yes. incredible. And also amazing that you're both available for that you know, you're going through it because you can as well. Like you're available for it. Yeah. And we're available for it because we choose that as our first priority. You know, we constantly choose that over getting caught up, caught up in bullshit, being on social media, doing the work away, whatever other demands that there are to us then are underneath the first one, which is being available to each other fully. And then, being available to our own lives. Uh, but it is that, that the other day I was thinking about this, this image came to me about that why all this stuff's coming up is because of the love. So you get, it's like you have this deep soul need or this wound that needs some particular kind of love. And then when the love comes, it's like a key in the lock and it fits precisely into the lock and it opens the door and inside that room is all the pain of all the times you didn't get that and the wound. So it's, we're opening all these locked doors, whoosh, you're like this whole thing's coming out, but I, I don't think it's going to go on like that forever. I mean, hopefully. No, I mean, it, it'll go on for as long as it needs to as well. As long as it needs to. Yeah. But that it is, it's the love itself that actually is what releases the old pain. You know, you can't, you can't, I did everything I could to try to heal myself and do all kinds of inner work and spiritual work before this, having this foundation of love and trust. And I did quite a bit. I mean, I did as much as I could. And then the full being able to go fully required love, complete unconditional love and trust. Mm. 
Mm. Oh, that opens up like a whole other topic about love, <laughs> you know, and like what is what actually is love. Yeah. Like, please break it down. Like, not you yeah. in this particular instance. Like, just in general. Like, please let's break it down to like unpick this. You know, it's just it, it gets thrown around so much as a more of a concept. I think in today's age, especially with like, I was thinking when you were talking, Derek, about the feeling. Like, why is it? It's hard, of course. Uh, I completely like agree with you. It must be incredibly hard, and what you described like makes sense. But my mind was saying like, but it's easy when we numb because we don't get taught how to feel. So then it becomes fucking hard when you've got a thousand different emotions moving through your body that you didn't mm. weren't ever taught how to feel. So then you've got to like completely reeducate your whole system, <laughs> how to hold that amount of different energy that feels uncomfortable. We don't know how to feel uncomfortable because no one teaches us how to do it, and. Mm. Again, that could be questionable. It could also be, well, maybe that's in some way deliberate because, you know, I don't know, that's a whole other tangent. But then I'd love to unpack love at some point, you know, like why have we become so numb, you know, and why, like, why not be able to feel a love like you two are presenting so that those doors can be unlocked so that we can release it? Because feeling is so hard for so many people. And that is why being around horses is so intense for so many people, because it can immediately bring up things that just are not available to those people in a different environment. And then they are those, the emotions I'm talking about. And that person's like, how the fuck do I handle this? you know, mm. because it's so much. And that can also be a beautiful thing because that emotion is ready to come out and it's being held in a safe space by the horse. And just in general, the person is, you know, in the right place at the right time. But um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. And um, what you said about him, about Tenzin being so himself and him mm. just being himself and in his authenticity, that mm. creates a ripple and it creates change. And you're able to go into his energy field and feel that. and be the recipient of that and share that with him. Mm. When I met you on a Zoom call that we had recently, um, I asked you both how you work with people and with horses. And the response that you gave was, you know, that you, there isn't a methodology you show you are who you are. So by being yourselves, the work happens. Mm -hmm. And again, I loved that, like complete stripping back to the essence of like presence, truth and love. And, and I just wanted to kind of bring that piece in as a reflection of obviously Tenzin is showing you that that's completely possible as well. Like Tenzin is like, I'm just me. And this happens when I'm just me. And then mm -hmm. based off that, like you're both in this amazing way, like again, available and able to, to do that as well. In, I guess with him or like as part of the whole constellation of the four of you. And that's really powerful like really powerful like to just again with that confidence to just be like i just am, am who i am and the work happens that just really like blew me away and i just wanted to share that thanks You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah thank you thank you so much for being here for your presence and your energy is there anything else that you want to share before we sign off i'm gonna say you just said um presence truth and love they're the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny. I wrote that down earlier when I was writing notes about for the podcast was how they are. They all are love. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Love is presence. Presence is love. Presence is truth. Truth is love. Love is truth. You know, I mean, they're all the same thing. It, it, it's basically describing the same thing and, and that the, that alone is what is needed for healing. That That's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. healing will happen on its own it wants to happen uh, it needs presence truth and love or you could just say love or you could just say presence <laughs> mm -hmm. beautiful thank you thank you so much for being here thank you thank you for having us for inviting us you're welcome yeah thanks <laughs> thank you all for listening thank you so much for listening to that episode with katana and derek if you want to find their podcast, it's called Seeking Mount Parnassus and their website goes by the same name, seekingmountparnassus.com. I highly recommend going over to whatever streaming platform you use and checking out what they're creating in their authentic voice and enjoy. Thank you for listening. 